Alright, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Good morning, everybody. Hi. How are you? Fabulous. How are you? Fantastic. Um, I'm awake. Up. I'm awake. She showed up. I'm awake. Let's All just right. go with I'm awake. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. I'm Lynn Samuels. I'm Hannah Green. And I am Mary Swartz. And we're going to fill your head with all kinds of information that you really didn't know that you wanted to know. You might not really have needed to know, but you're going to know it by the time we're done today. And you'll be glad you did. Pass it on. Yes. Pass Thanks it on. for spending part of your day with us, guys. Yay. What are you drinking, Lynn? Coffee. I am drinking coffee. What kind of coffee? Uh, it's probably my Starbucks blend. My husband made it and it's got some uh, cardamom and cinnamon in it, as always. Lovely. Yum. I love cardamom. Nice. Yep. Nice. I buy it. Uh, I buy green cardamom beans now. I buy the, or the seeds, the actual whole seeds. I don't even buy the jar of it anymore. And that way I can grind it myself. We sell them at work. I use a lot of it. I buy the very large things of it. So that's all right. Cardamom is amazing. What does it, why, why do you use so much of it, Lynn? Uh, well, it started with a recipe. I'd never heard of cardamom until I saw this recipe for a chocolate cardamom cake with, uh, with sugared cranberries. And I made it for Christmas and everybody raved. And I was like, that's a really interesting flavor. And I liked it. And so I had a little thing of cardamom in my cabinet from that. And I didn't use it for anything else had no idea what to do with it. And then I was researching coffee from Yemen, I believe. And I discovered that a lot of people over there put cardamom in their coffee. And I was like, that's interesting. I've got cardamom. I wonder what that's like. And I put a little in and then I was like addicted. And so I went through that jar and another jar. And then I eventually uh, discovered that it's cheaper to buy, like I said, the seeds. So, so yes. And I actually, I think I put more and more in all the time. I tried to share it with my friend and she was like, all I can taste is cardamom. And I was like, oh, I think it's just a hint. So I realized it's an addiction. It's the more you use, the more you need. Yeah. Yeah. So now I I just chew the seeds now. Yeah. Put them in my gum. Pouch of your cheek. Yeah. 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 Like, like a chew. Yeah. You spit in public. That's none of your business. (laughs) (laughs) my mama always said a girl doesn't spit and tell that was good wow (laughs) do you like mango lynn Mm, yeah mango's nice what what are you guys drinking is it mango something no but it's cardamom related Um, oh okay so uh mary and i a couple years ago had gone to a an indian restaurant i think we were in kentucky and um, had an amazing, amazing experience. We ordered a bunch of stuff we'd never had before. And I ordered a drink called Mango Lassi. And it's essentially yogurt, mango, and cardamom. And then it's thinned out enough to make it drinkable. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious. Very rich. It's very rich, but it is, it's really delicious. Yeah, so, that would be good. I, I think that would be a wonderful combination. Yeah. So if you... Um, 
ever find yourself with some, you know, some mango and some yogurt, maybe consider making yourself a mango lassi. Um, we almost always have yogurt because Brennan loves yogurt. That's our new dessert instead of ice cream is, is, is yogurt. So, uh, All right. so yeah, so we always have some and I could get some mango and do that. Although yeah. I'm now thinking like a cookie, like a thumbprint cookie with cardamom. So you'd put the cardamom in the cookie part. So it's got a slight cardamom flavor to it. And then yeah. like mango, uh, curd. Curd. Like a mango curd. Yeah. Like just cook the mango on the stove and like kind of like so it's yeah. jelly, but what the yeah. pieces are. I feel like that might be amazing. Make a thumbprint cookie. Well, you huh? could try that and let us all know how that turns out. All right. I will try to do that before next week. I'm writing that down. Make mango cardamom cookies. Sweet. So as far as what we are drinking, today Mary and I have opened a bottle of Verde which is one of our favorite sparkling wines. You can mix it with just about anything or you can drink it by itself. And we frequently do. But today we have mixed it with a spiced elderberry cordial. It's very nice. Yep. What spices do you taste in it? I'm thinking cinnamon, right? They're real faint. It is pretty faint. It would be like a malt cider type spices to me. Yep, it has ginger, cinnamon, cloves, and cardamom. But I think I think personally the spices could be a little bit more distinct because they're very, very faint. They, they are very faint, but, but it I, is a nice flavor. But I think if you use more of the cordial, you'd end up oversweet. Right, which is why I kind of left it where it was. Yeah. It is really nice. It is a very it nice like little sachet, like a tea bag that's yeah. empty. And yeah. put those same spices in there. And, and put it in that cord in there. Yeah. In the yeah. cord and let it like do that. Yeah. And we were talking uh, about, I have mulling spices at home. I've done some mulled cranberry wine, or I mean, mulled cherry wine. I think we're going to try a mulled cranberry wine with apple cider. Oh, that might be nice. So, all right, Lynn, have you a word of the week for us? I do. I do. Okay. He didn't ask you to get married. Good, because I'm already married and I wouldn't want to be a bigamist. Uh, Patamelon. Patamelon? Patamelon. That is so easy. I know. That is so easy. Got this. That's right. You go out in the garden and you pick your watermelon and you give it a bath and then you pat it dry. So you're patting a melon. It's P-A-D-A. Not T-B. Melon. It's when you are going to ship a melon across the country to your sister in Arizona. You wrap it. You wrap it very carefully. You pad a melon. Bubble wrap. Good, good. Uh, It is not a uh, fruit. It might be a food, but I don't know if anyone had a melon. It's a push-up bra. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a pad of melon. Half of a push up bra, it's only one melon. The left or the right, you don't get both. (laughs) Yeah. It is a small to medium marsupial, similar in shape to a kangaroo, shorter, wider, with loads of fur. It's an animal. It's an animal. I had never heard of a patamelon until I was researching my story and I was like, what is that? So, uh, so yeah, this, this word will play into my. My story that I have for you cool. today. All right. <clears throat> well, I have the word 
Capernoided. Spell it. it is. Does it have anything to do with dominoes? No. C-A-P-E-R-N-O-I-T-E-D. Oh, it's capper, not papper. Capper. Capper noiden. Noiden. Is it a spice? No. Hmm. Reminded me of caper. So it's oh, when yeah. it's when a Domino's fan, like from eating pizza, gets so full on pizza, they get euphoric and they uh, decide to rob a uh, art gallery. And they plan it with George Clooney. That's that's my definition. That's pretty specific. That was very yeah, specific. It is. We it didn't have so in particular. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Actually, capernoided means slightly tipsy. Oh. Okay. Then you can't get that at Domino's. Well, you can, but they're not selling it to you. All right. I have mm. ragamuffin. Now we heard this term growing up. Yes, we did. Yes. We. I think but- I, we. Both what does this. ragamuffin mean to you, Lynn? I think of a ragamuffin as a uh, small, unkempt child. Yeah, I would say, you know, disheveled, small, young person. Yes, you are both correct. But let me tell you where it originated. Okay. All right. Ragamuffin started in the early 19th century. So we're talking early 1800s. Uh, it was associated with the children who would dress up for Thanksgiving and they would parade around asking for handouts like they were beggars. Oh, okay. Now, eventually the ragamuffin parades died out, but for some reason, children continue to dress up for Halloween. So I don't understand that part. I don't understand how you go from Thanksgiving to Halloween. But I'm glad you just clarified that because I thought you, for a moment that you had misspoke one or the other. Mm-mm. Interesting. Nope. nope. They used to have parades for Thanksgiving. They would dress up for Thanksgiving. Or maybe it's dressed down. I'm not sure. And beg for candy or fruits or nuts or. I can see how you could go from Thanksgiving to Halloween because, I mean, they're not that far apart. And now we go straight from Halloween to Christmas. So, you know. I know. It's crazy. I I went to a store. It wasn't this year. It was a couple of years ago. um, And it was probably three days before Halloween. And I was actually looking for something very specific and I can't even remember what I wanted, but I needed one thing. I think I had something had broken or something and I wanted to replace it. And it was for my Halloween decorations. And I went in and every store already had all their Christmas stuff up. And I was like, where's the Halloween stuff and the thing? Oh no, that's what it was. It was for Thanksgiving. It was for my Thanksgiving table. And it was right around Halloween that I went in and they were like, yeah, we don't have Thanksgiving stuff. We go straight from Halloween to Christmas. And I was like, uh, some of us like to decorate for Thanksgiving. We have family over. We want to put stuff up. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. They didn't have any Thanksgiving stuff. So. You know, I will tell you that uh, there was one year, it was June, probably towards the end of June. And I can't remember where I was, where, where I was with my kids. We were on vacation somewhere and <clears throat> Isabel's bathing suit had ripped. And I was like, no big deal. We'll just buy you a new one. That one was getting a little small anyway. Yeah. Apparently you can't actually buy a swimming suit at the end of June because they've already put out their fall and winter stuff. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. Except for here. You can buy bathing suits year round here. Well, gee, I wonder why. All right. 
All right. So we're going to start in New York. New York. New York. New, New York. York. All right. Uh, police in New York said a man who was traveling in a high occupancy vehicle lane, also known as an HOV lane, was stopped when officer noticed the passenger was just the back of the seat dressed in a jacket and a hat. <laughs> the high occupancy vehicle lanes are for, you know, people who carpool and stuff. Yes. So the Suffolk County Police Department said that Officer Cody Exum stopped the driver on the Long Island Expressway about nine o'clock in the morning on Thursday. And he noticed that the passenger didn't really look quite right. And he quickly discovered that the front seat passenger was not really a passenger at all. It was the front seat dressed up to look like a person with a jacket pulled over the seat and a hat and a hood on the headrest. And the driver got a ticket. Yeah, they did. All right, I have one. More than 40 camels in Saudi Arabia were recently disqualified from the King Abdulaziz Camel Festival Beauty Contest after the judges discovered that some of the breeders were actually injecting the camels' faces with Botox. No. To make them more appealing. No. Lynn is over here dying. If it weren't so cruel, it'd be hilarious. But the alterations, can we get pictures? The alterations did not just stop at Botox, though, but also included facelifts. <gasps> That's horrid. The camels are judged on their heads, necks, humps, and their posture. The Botox was detected using advanced technology. I don't even want to know what that means, okay? I would Seriously. like to know. Apparently, the breeders stretched the camel's facial features and then injected the filler to relax the muscles. The Saudi press agency has reported that the club is keen to halt all acts of tampering and deception in the beautification of camels. Those trying to manipulate their camel's features will face strict penalties. I think a little primer goes a long way on a camel. Apparently, this contest awards 66 million dollars oh. in prizes jesus we should get a camel <laughs> <laughs> the contest is part of a month-long camel festival that involves as many as thirty-three thousand camels it should be noted however that this is not the first time that this has been an issue in 2018 12 camels were disqualified for botox injections wow which makes me wonder about like dog shows when they do that. I wonder what they do to dogs to make them, you know, all perfect. Good question. That is a good question. We should research that. We should go in depth undercover and discover the truth behind dog pageants. Well, I don't own a dog, but the two of you both have dogs. So feel free. Mm, Mary, you got this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm all over that one. Yes. Cool. Yes. Coming soon. Coming soon, Mary will go undercover at a dog pageant with her dog. <laughs> There's a movie about dog people and a dog show or something. I, I really wouldn't know. I don't watch those kind of movies. No. I don't, but I feel like I <laughs> watched it and I was in the room with him and it was just insane. Well, you think about what people are willing to do to their own children with child beauty contests. Why would a dog be any yeah. different? Oh my gosh, that's just evil. Evil. It is. All right. You got a story for us, Lynn. Yeah. I have I 
have a story speaking of evil. Ooh, all right. Bring it. All right. When good plants go bad. Yep. Worked on that all week. A while back, Hannah told us about those explosive sandbox trees that had the spikes and projectile pine cones. Dynamite yeah, trees, yeah. 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 And then we learned about the plants that made the girls hallucinate. I couldn't remember what they were called, but um, it got me thinking yeah. about how many bad plants are actually out there just waiting for us innocent humans to stumble on them? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's a conspiracy. I do. I do. Well, after this, I'm, I'm scared to leave my house. Yeah. So obviously living in Arizona, I live in the desert and I'm aware that in the desert, there are some very nasty plants. Uh, it started, I think, citrus trees. People think, oh, yay, lemons and limes and oranges and grapefruit and citrus trees. What they don't realize when they just buy them from the store is the trees, they have these huge thorns on them. And when you uh, first move down there and you see one and you're like, oh, look, a grapefruit. And you put your hand up in there. If you're not careful, you get stabbed by huge. And I do mean very huge thorns that make rose bushes look dainty. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, they've got some really huge thorns on them. And I don't know if all of them do, but the ones in my yard of my first house did. And I learned very quickly that you have to be very careful. So, um, and then of course we have all the cacti, uh, all different sizes and all different kinds of needles. They have huge spikes on them. Some have tiny little hair-like ones uh, that are teeny tiny microscopic, almost you can barely see them. Um, in fact, uh, some have fruit on them. And I went hiking once and picked a piece of fruit unknowingly off of a cactus. And uh, it was covered with tiny little hairs I couldn't see. They have microscopic barbs on the tip. So once yep. they're in yep. flesh, they like to stay in your flesh. And yep. uh, yeah, it isn't a lot of fun. Then you How have did the you get them out? What? How did you get them out? Um, I think uh, some people put glue on it. And then take like the Elmer's glue. And then when it dries, pull it off. Um, duct tape is another way that people do it because it's super sticky. Um, if you only have a few, you can use uh, like a magnifying glass and uh, tweezers. Um, so it really depends on what type and how many you get in there. So, and in my yard, I have one that just, I swear you walk by it. And I always have one or two stuck in my hand. And then you just, I don't know if you ignore it until it comes out, I guess. So, but we also have the jumping choya, which uh, gets its name, not because it actually jumps, but each segment of the cactus, and there are a lot of segments to it, they're barely held together to the main plant. And if you brush by it and even touch it the slightest, the needles in it grab on to anything that brushes by it. And now you've got a piece of cactus stuck to, you know, your shoe, your pants, your arm, your leg, depending on what brushes by it, um, an animal. And when you notice it, either because it, it you know, the barbs on it stab you or because you just see it, most people's tendency who don't know better is to brush it off. As soon as you swat at it with your hand, it's now embedded in your hand. And it has two kinds of needles. It's got the regular small, thin little needles you can see, but it also, again, is covered with those tiny, almost microscopic hair-like ones, and it's got a lot of them. My son actually experienced this. My oldest son, uh, he had one. It brushed against his leg. He swatted at it. 
It embedded in his hand. He swatted harder because it freaked him out. He was little at the time. And he ended up with two handfuls of these hairs. He had over a hundred embedded in his hand. Yeah, we went to the doctors because I didn't know what to do at that point. I was like, oh, this is probably pretty bad. And they uh, tried to pull some of them out, but they eventually gave up and said the rest of them, they're going to have to work their ways out. It literally took over a year for all of them because they embed in. And then when they break off, they leave a little bump there. His hands were covered with these tiny little bumps that look like zits all over his hands. So, yeah, not so fun. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the bigger ones, um, like the century plant, I planted a century plant up by my driveway on the top left corner of it, thinking it would be cute. And a century plant is a type of agave. It's got these really long, thick, smooth, triangular leaves that have a sharp barb at the end. And I do mean sharp, very, very needle-like sharp. And the best way I can think to describe for anybody who doesn't know what this looks like is to think of a pineapple, that green top on a pineapple, only don't think tall, think wide, like six to 10 feet across and each leaf being three to five feet long at its maximum. Um, So it doesn't grow up, it grows out. And as mine was next to the driveway, where if you think about the left-hand side, the driver of a car would get out and brush past, we discovered that when you get stabbed one, it hurts a lot. So we had to keep it trimmed. So the first time I went to trim it, I grabbed my clippers and I began cutting it back. After a couple minutes, my fingers and hands are turning red and they're starting to burn like hot, like ow burning. And I look at them and they're red and it looks nasty. Um, So I go wash my hands off, do a bit of research. And I discovered that I had unknowingly experienced what's called agave dermatitis. Uh, agave sap produces a compound known as saponin, which is uh, poisonous when ingested, but also causes a severe reaction when it comes in contact with your skin. And if you happen to get it on your hands or gloves and you rub your eyes, you actually can cause permanent eye damage. So even after washing my hands, I think I spent a couple of days in really pretty decent discomfort from it, just feeling like a constant burning sensation and then wondering what the cost to have the agave removed from my yard was because I wasn't touching it anymore. So what did you end up doing with it? Uh, selling the house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, we just, we honestly, we just ignored it. Um, I really liked it. It's a very pretty plant and a lot of people have them. You just know. Um, and honestly, if I need it, if I needed, I didn't, it doesn't need to be, uh, it's not fast growing. So it didn't need to be trimmed all the time. So I just thought if I needed to trim it again, which we did sell the house, but not because of that. Um, but if I needed to trim again, I'd just use uh, gloves and make sure I didn't get stabbed by it so, or get the sap on my hands. Another plant, I don't have one, but I see them all over and I actually wanted them until I researched them. It's called the fire stick cactus, which is funny because it's called a fire stick cactus, but it's not a cactus. It's a succulent, which living here, I've learned the difference between succulents aren't cactus, cacti, but most people don't know that. So, um, but this plant is gorgeous. It's uh, very stick-like, but it's bright orange and yellows like fire. And it's, it's just really beautiful. Um, but it is another toxic plant and it's worse than the agave because the sap is everywhere on it. And the toxin in this one is called diterpene esters and it causes a painful rash, blistering, not just burning and actual loss of skin. 
And it doesn't only drip the sap from it. If you bump it, it will it, it just drip sap from everywhere, but it can actually squirt sap. And this sap, if it gets on your hands or gloves, can still harm you when it's dried. So even the dried sap is dangerous and water doesn't neutralize it, it spreads it further. So a lot of people outside, you go to the faucet, you rinse it maybe in your hose, it doesn't help. So, and it's actually been known to cause anaphylactic shock. So yeah once, I, yeah, once I read that one, I was like, yeah, this is not a plant I want in my yard, especially with two dogs. Cause I just feel like that would be dangerous for them. So kidding. Pretty but dangerous. So, all right. So moving on from Arizona, we have the hogweed or cow parsnip, another toxic plant. This one native to Asia, but it is we have it here, I think. Yep, yep. It's invasive and can now be found in the northeast and northwest of the United States, as well as Alaska. Yeah, like the previous planet, sap can cause rashes, contact with the eye, irritation, and even blindness. It grows really tall, mm. seven to fourteen feet and has a large umbrella-shaped white lacy-looking flower, which might sound familiar to anybody who's from the North area. And it does look like Queen Anne's lace. Like Queen Anne's lace on steroids. Yes. So imagine before it got that tall, because all plants start out tiny, some child comes across it and thinks, oh, I'm going to pick mom some Queen Anne's lace. Look, we used to do. She used to get so mad. I know. But I, I don't know. But... Maybe because she knew about hogweed and wanted to protect us. So, so yeah. So obviously um, you probably don't want to handle it. The kid picks it and hands their mom a bouquet. Look, mom, I picked you a bouquet of misery. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that was one, not quite as bad, but still a nasty plant. Yeah. And then we have spotted or poison hemlock of Europe, which looks similar to hogweed and probably sounds familiar being hemlock. Um, it is slightly smaller. It only reaches 10 feet tall. And this one is not a problem if you handle it. But when the plant is small, it's sometimes mistaken for wild carrots and consumed. Poison hemlock, as the name implies, is extremely toxic to human and can cause paralysis, respiratory failure, and even death. It is right. actually poison if you've heard of it before, that Socrates used to kill himself. And while you can handle it safely, the toxins are not absorbed through your skin. If you do get it on your skin and you rub your eyes or part of your body with a mucous membrane, it will be absorbed. So probably not one you even want to pick. So, and interestingly on this one, the toxins have still been found in the plant up to three years after it's dead. So, so even a dead one is dangerous. Holy crap. Yeah. Well, hem, the, the European or the spotted or poison hemlock, yeah, water hemlock is its nasty cousin. That's the one that's actually found in the United States from Alaska to Florida. So I think that covers the whole United States. It is considered the deadliest plant here in our country. This plant is so deadly, scientists do not have a minimum dose. Normally, like any poisonous plant, they're like, you know, three milligrams will kill you, one milligram will kill you. This one, they don't have a minimum. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, a little scary. It is. It, its toxin is called cicutoxin, and it causes abdominal pain, convulsions, delirium, nausea, seizures, and vomiting within 60 minutes of eating it. The so death. you have to eat this? You don't just touch this one, you have to eat this one. 
Yes, yes. This one is is just it's a poison. It's gonna be consumed. It doesn't bother you if you picked it, but yeah, I wouldn't touch this just because there's no minimum dose. So um, and the death from water hemlock is horrific. Like if you read about it, oh my gosh, extremely painful. Your muscles will actually start spasming and not just a little spasm, like if you've ever had a muscle twitch or spasm, 20 times harder than normal. And eventually they actually lock. So you can't use them. Your jaw locks, so you can't open your mouth. If you vomit, which will most likely happen if you consume this, you can't open your mouth, so you choke on it. Eventually, if you've not choked to death first, your lung and heart muscles lock up, so now you can't breathe and your heart will stop. Wow, so, that's a really nasty way to go. It is a very, very, very nasty way to go. So yeah, I'm not sure about the, the first one, but yeah, I, I assume that Socrates died a very painful death when he took it. All right. Monk's hood or wolf's bane. Beautiful. Ooh, I've heard plant. Of this one. Yes. Um, gardeners love it. It's beautiful. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous purple plant. The sap also does not cause blistering or rashes, so it can be safely handled, except for the fact that every single part of the monk's hood plant is extremely toxic to humans. And this one can be absorbed through the skin. So it won't burn you, but the poison will get into you through your skin. So just, I don't even know why a gardener would want this. And I looked online and yeah, the gardening sites sell it. And I'm like, yeah, Ew, I was thinking that I didn't want to sound yeah. stupid, but yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. And so it's just one of those ones that I guess gardeners are like, yeah, you handle it with gloves, but, um, asinotine is the only one of the toxins in this plant, but it is the most dangerous of them. And it affects the nerves as well as the heart. Uh, monk's hood or wolf's bane called so because they believed it would kill werewolves a long time ago. And they actually put it on arrowheads to hunt and kill actual wolves. And the ancient Romans, those lovely, lovely people used it to execute people. So it is not a common method of murder. Uh, now it is occasionally used though. The first reported murder using monk's hood was in 1881 when George Henry Lamson was convicted of murdering his brother-in-law using it. In 2012, the most recent case I could find, Lavir Kwar Singh was convicted of killing her lover using it. Uh, it currently can be used for therapeutic reasons in small doses by some herbalists, but the dosage between helping and hurting is so tiny and so easy to go over. I just was like, why would you even risk it? Like, because I think dosage has to do with body size. So to me, I'm like, yeah, I that'd make me a little nervous. And the therapeutic reasons, I couldn't find any research on it. So it seems like people who are using it, they're like, yeah, I think this works for this. So, and there's no antidote. So if you take too much, just sucks to be you. die, Or you're going to be really, really, really hurting or whatever. So yeah, let's stay away from that one too. Yep. I, you should probably stay away from most of the things I'm going to talk about. So the Namibian bottle tree, but you can't guess. I, feel, like, I feel like that's been talked about at some point in time. Could be. Okay. So where do you think it grows? Oh, not in the Namibia, of course. That would that wouldn't make sense. It does. It grows in Namibia. That's why it is called the Namibian bottle tree. And the shape of its trunk looks like a huge swollen bottle. It really does. It's like something out of a Dr. Seuss. So if you just visualize a really fat, rounded, misshapen trunk, 
without any branches or anything up until the top and then sprouting out the top are these long slender spike covered branches and they just kind of jut upward from this fat trunk. So uh, this one, when it flowers, beautiful white delicate flowers, it's crazy. It's such a scary looking tree when you look at the spikes and stuff on it and so weird looking. The flowers are so pretty. They just look completely out of place on this tree. But its sap is what's toxic, and it's actually used by the locals on spears and arrows for hunting. So, oh, all right. So yeah, so that one's another one that you know the sap will mess with you. So just don't don't get stabbed by it. Then we have the common yew tree, which when I saw pictures, I think we must have had them around our house because I recognized the berries immediately which is good that as a kid, I did not try these berries. So the common yew tree is coniferous tree. It has little red pinkish berries called arils. They have a little opening at the bottom, at the bottom, and then there's like a pit up inside that you can kind of see. Um, most parts of the yew tree are poisonous, except for that little berry, which is actually said to be delicious tasting. However, the seed inside the little berries are poisonous. So if, decide, <laughs> yeah. so if you decide to eat the little red berries, you have to spit out the seeds because only as much as 50 grams is enough to actually kill you. And less than that will still make you very sick. And there's no known antidote to you poisoning. And people who uh, ingest the fatal amount of toxin, they actually die from cardiogenic shock. And there are many different toxins found in the yew tree, which is interesting. Some can be absorbed through the skin. So this is another tree you should handle with kid gloves or adult gloves. Don't handle it at all. Or any gloves. Well, if you have one or you bought a house with one or something or, you know. Um, And one person that I read about was reported to have died from inhaling the sawdust from the yew tree. So cutting it down, you'd have to be very careful. And while I didn't find any murders from yew poisoning, all the deaths that were noted were accidental or suicides and an ancient Celtic times the yew was actually a common suicide me- method. So they would eat the yew, uh, the yew seeds to kill themselves. Oh, that does not sound like a pleasant way to go. Um, I don't know. They didn't describe it as being bad. Uh, I would think cardiogenic shock. Cardio is your heart. So I just think maybe your heart stops. So it didn't say anything about the pain like some of the others. So, all right, let's see. Gimpy, gimpy is one of Australia's four stinging trees. It's Australia, don't be surprised. They have four different types of stinging trees. Uh, But it is said to be by far the most painful of those four. It has broad oval and heart-shaped leaves, little sawtooth edges around it, but they're covered with these tiny, fine, white hairs, almost microscopic. The stem and the fruit are white or a purple red color, are also covered with the hairs. One nickname for them, especially when the plants are just starting to grow and they're small, are ankle biters. Because as you walk through brush, your ankles would brush up. Yeah. And then much like the choya, those tiny little white hairs will break off and insert (gasps) them into anything that touches them. Now, unlike the choya, though, these have a type of toxin on them and it's not well understood, but it's reported to be extremely painful, extremely, extremely painful. 
It's actually been described as being burned by hot acid and electrocuted at the same time. Oh my God. Yeah, that's, yeah. It I is, it is one of those things that when they do the things on pain, they're like, yeah, this one, it's at the top of the level. Um, it also can cause severe allergic reactions, which actually increase over time and has been known to last years. So yeah, avoid that tree. And during the summer, it sheds its hairs. So they get in the air around it. So just being close to it is enough to get you hurt. Unless you are a patamelon. Patamelons eat it. All right. Remember the patamelon at the beginning? Yeah, the animal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They actually are the only known Mm. animal that eat the fruit off of it. And the hairs don't seem to bother them at all. Holy crap. I did look up cardiogenic shock. All right. What do you got for us? Cardiogenic shock is a life-threatening condition in which your heart suddenly can't pump enough blood to meet your body's needs. The condition is most often caused by a severe heart attack, but not everyone who has a heart attack has cardiogenic shock. Cardiogenic shock is actually quite rare. All right. So basically your heart just can't give you enough blood and then you die. Yep. All right. So... All right. So we've got that. How about strychnine? What do you know about strychnine? I know it's a nasty poison. I know they used it in the 1904 Olympics. Yes, they did. All right. So most people have probably heard of strychnine, but where does it come from? Wasn't it, I don't know, but didn't they used to use it in, in rat poison? Ah, yes. Yes. That's no, where it's arsenic. No, lots of things have been used in, oh. in, in rat poison. I think strychnine was one of them. Could be. Yes. I, I believe you're right. But where does it come from? I don't know. Must be a, a tree. A strychnine tree. It's actually called the strychnine tree. And it grows oh. in Southern Asia and Australia. Mm. Like Australia. So these slender trees can grow up to 40 feet tall and they look completely harmless. Like you would not look at this tree and think, oh, there's a deadly poison that comes from that tree. They have dark yeah. green oak leaves. They come to a point and these orange red pear-shaped fruit. The only hint that there's anything wrong with this tree is the noxious smell that comes from the greenish white flowers. That's the only hint that you might have found a plant that is not okay. While the seeds in the tree are by far the most toxic part, there's actually no safe part again to this tree. Even parasitic plants, you know how those uh, like ivies and stuff attach themselves to different plants? Any parasitic plant that attaches itself to this plant will, or this tree will also become toxic. And strychnine is extremely strong. It only takes the tiniest bit to actually kill a human. It works by causing the muscles to be able to. Last year in the Olympics. Oh, did you? So it makes the muscles so they can't turn off. They spasm until they weak to the point where they just stop working. They run out of energy and then you can't breathe and your heart can't pump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the 1904 Olympics. Cool. That's a fun time. I bet those athletes enjoyed that. What was it? Brandy, egg whites, and strychnine? Hell yeah. There's a combo. Especially when it's being given to you by your trainer. Oh, what are they During the Olympics. Oh, because if your muscles can't turn off, maybe the no, thought. No, they were using it. They, it. In 1904, they thought it was a stimulant. Right. That's what I'm saying. If it makes your muscles so they can't turn off, right. maybe the thought was a little bit of it makes your muscles work hard. So there you go. <laughs> Egg whites for right. protein and brandy. 
for whatever the to hell. To dull the pain of running a marathon. Okay. I feel like strychnine has a really bad taste to it. Like I've read something about like it's a bad taste. So I'm wondering if the brandy was to hide the taste. I don't honestly know. All right. The bunya tree. We're going to move on to another tree in Australia because, you know, it's Australia. Everything in Australia kills you. (laughs) Right. Except for my husband. All right. The bunya tree, huge tree growing in Australia. It has no toxins. If you eat a leaf, it won't kill you. It has no stinging nettles. The sap won't hurt you. It won't burn you. You can touch it. You can eat it. In fact, the seeds are actually described as delicious and nutritious. So where is the danger from this tree? It is due to the size size and velocity of the pine cones Mm -hmm. that fall without warning. The pine cones can weigh up to 10 kilograms, which is 22 pounds. Oh, Oh my my God. God. Yeah, that's, yeah. They're huge. Look up pictures. Listeners, look up pictures of the bunya tree. Bunya, B-U-N-Y-A, bunya. They're huge. I was like, this is crazy. And they can, the tree grows really tall, so they can fall from up to 50 meters, which is 150 feet up. So now you've got 22 pounds falling 150 feet. Oh, my God. Johanna looked it up. Yeah. They're huge. They're huge. They're bigger than this dude's head. Yes. Yes. Think, think bigger than a basketball. 22 pounds. Yeah. So I did not find any reported deaths that have actually happened from it. It's more that it could. There have been injuries reported from being hit by a pine cone, not on the head, but like, like a couple walking at a park in the United States and one fell and it hit the guy's arm. So he huge, massive cuts down his arm. And I think it, hurt his wife's shoulder dislocated it or something but but yeah i didn't find any actual deaths from it but this tree could cause you some serious hurt i know the eucalyptus tree brennan said that they call it the widow maker in australia because the branches break off very very easy during storms and they're also another one that they that can hurt people all right moving on to the cerbera odalum it is a plant that's related to the oleander, which I think a lot of people have heard of the oleander, which is another oh. plant. And uh, this one, though, grows in India. It's got these thin branches and long, thin leaves. The flowers are white and the fruit that grows on it to be softball sized. And it is said to be responsible for at least one death a week in just the Indian state of Kerala alone. So this, the report I read was just on one area. It's a state called Kerala in India. One death a week in just that area, mostly suicides. Hence the nickname of this plant called the suicide tree. Studies show that more people kill themselves with this plant than any other plant in the world. One report stated that the number of deaths from this plant alone was 537 people in 11 years. And that's just again in the the state of Kerala in just one tiny little area of India. Interestingly, though, the toxin in the seeds, they disrupt the heartbeat and cause it to stop beating, but the death itself is slow and painful, including severe stomach pains, headaches, and vomiting. There's no antidote, and this plant has not been studied in depth, and because of the lack of knowledge about it, the number of murders by this method are unknown, but it is suspected that there are many of them. 
unless it's specifically suspected, they will not test for this when people die because the test is only for the specific toxins from it and it's extremely costly to test for it. So, all right. Yeah. So only growing in India. All right. Moving on to another one we probably know is nightshade. Nightshade oh. is not just one plant. It's no. actually a group of plants that contains 2,300 species of plants. Yes. Remember the, so angel's trumpet, which is the one Lynn was trying to remember. Oh, okay. It's also oh. known as brumancia. That is a, a member of the nightshade family. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. So when I heard nightshade, I was like, I've heard of nightshade. I think it's a plant that's a poison. And most people associate nightshade with poison, but they're unaware that this group are some of the most common plants eaten by humans in large quantities. Oh, yeah. The pepper, eggplant, tomato, and potato. The actual species of nightshades, the plant itself, along with black nightshade and deadly nightshade, which is known commonly as belladonna, are plants found in North America, and they are poisonous. In fact, all plants in the nightshade group, including the vegetable listed above, contain alkaloids, which are harmful in large doses. The ones we eat do not contain enough to kill us, that is, except potatoes. Potatoes can and have killed people who have eaten them. In South London, during the school year of 1979, 78 children and several staff members at a boys' school became ill at the same time. Severe stomach pains, vomiting, diarrhea. Several of them slipped into comas, had severe fevers, violent fits of muscle spasms. Everyone did. Yeah, everyone completely recovered in that case, although some suffered from hallucinations for many days after. They traced this all back to a bag of potatoes that had been stored over the summer at the school. When tested, the potatoes had a high level of toxin called solanine. Solanine increases as potatoes age. So the older a potato is, the more solanine it has. And solanine is a toxin that does not do well for us. But solanine also causes the potato to turn green. Now, the green color is actually the chlorophyll, but its present indicates solanine has formed in the potato. So the solanine increases, it causes the chlorophyll to go, and the chlorophyll is what turns the potato green. So uh, 1899, 56 German soldiers suffered from solanine poisoning from eating green potatoes. They all recovered. 1918 in Glasgow, Scotland, 61 people all over the city suffered from solanine poisoning and a child died. Uh, Autumn 1922, Germany, an epidemic actually broke out all over from bad potatoes. 1925, seven people in a single family suffered from solanine poisoning and two died after eating potatoes. In 1952 in North Korea, Due to a severe lack of food, communities were forced to eat whatever they could. They were very desperate. In a single community, 382 people became ill with solanine poisoning, and 22 of them actually died. Wow. So if you're worried about eating potatoes after this, you could relax because it's actually now uncommon to find solanine poisoning because of the changes in how they do potatoes and We really don't store potatoes as long as they did uh, a long time ago. 
and solanine is only found in the skin of old potatoes. So you've got a couple options. If the potato's old or green, throw it out. If you're still worried, don't eat the skin, feel it, and then you're absolutely fine. I just like the fact that she said, if you're still worried after you've thrown out the potato, feel it. (laughs) No, if you're worried after the story. Oh, well, you said, if you're worried, throw it out. If you're still worried, peel the potato. Right, 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 right. No, if the potato's old or green, throw it out. If you're like, I'm not sure if this potato's too old and you're worried about it, it. don't want to throw it out, peel it. So I know we're just giving you a hard time. (laughs) Or or if someone's irritating, you give them just the peels of an old potato. Or you can just come see me at work because I sell Belladonna. All right. Belladonna is also used as a homeopathic medicine to treat a lot of things. So they sell it in a very, very, very low dose. You'd have to eat. You probably couldn't buy enough at my store to eat and eat it all and be sick. Seriously. But it is. It's actually used as a as a homeopathic remedy for stuff. Interestingly, I think a lot of things that can kill you are like in small doses. Also that they use for homeopathic. But again, with homeopathics, a lot of it isn't studied enough that it makes me a little nervous. So I generally like to uh, avoid things that have the same name as a poison. So, (laughs) right. I've got one last plant for you guys. I've saved the best for last, or maybe it's right. I don't know. My final plant is the machineal tree. This tree holds the world record for being the most dangerous tree in the entire world. So they can be found in sandy soil and mangroves of Florida, as well as South and Central America. Um, But many of the ones you will come across are actually labeled now with large signs warning you of the dangers. And what are these dangers? Well, first, there's the delicious smelling and tasting fruit, which resembles a small greenish yellow apple, about two inches wide. But please do not be fooled by the smell or the the knowledge that it tastes wonderful. The Spanish named this fruit Manzanita de la Muerta, or little apple of death. death. Yeah, little apple of death. Ooh. Little bite can cause agonizing pain before succumbing to death. I found a quote from someone who unknowingly tried a bite. Nicola Strickland, she wrote about finding this unknown fruit on a beach while hiking with a friend, and they decided to try it. So in the medical journal article, what is wrong with people? They were hungry. She found a cute fruit. It smelled delicious. You have to remember, it smells yummy. She's washed it off in the water. Yes, well, those poisonous things look or smell delicious. She, She said that she was on a tropical island and they knew that like coconuts and I forget figs or something else and stuff. And there were other fruits that they had been eating. So, you know, think about it. Before we knew, people tried everything. That's how we know all this stuff. Okay. So this is what she reported in a medical journal article. I rashly took a bite of this fruit and found it pleasantly sweet. Moments later, we noticed a strange peppery feeling in our mouths, which gradually progressed to a burning, tearing sensation and tightness of the throat. The symptoms worsened over a couple of hours. We could barely swallow solid food because of the excruciating pain and the feeling of a huge obstructing pharyngeal lump. So... They ended up recovering from it. They only tried a little bite, but uh, yeah, they're really lucky. That's all they did. Cause that's crazy. And that's not the only danger. The next danger is the sap, 
which is everywhere. It's a very sappy tree, including the leaves and the bark. A single drop of the sap can cause terrible burns to your skin and even peel the paint off a vehicle. There are reports of rain washing the sap off the tree onto cars parked underneath and the paint being completely destroyed. So the tree has many different toxins, some which are known and some are actually still unidentified. What they do know is some of the toxins are fast acting and some react over time. So contact with the sap can cause rashes, headaches, burns, breathing problems, and even a temporary yet painful blindness. The smoke and the sawdust are just as bad as the sap. So burning the tree and cutting it down, if you found one on your property, would also be very dangerous. And Ponce de Leon was killed when natives who used the sap on their arrows shot him in the thigh. He didn't die from the wound. He died from the poisoning from the sap. Right. Oh, wow. I would have guessed that like an infection from the wound or something. Nope. Nope. The sap. I mean, think about if it can burn your skin that badly and destroy the paint off of a car, what it does to your insides if it gets into your bloodstream. How do you get rid of a tree like that? What? You know your house? I mean, seriously, how do you keep it from procreating? Um, I have no idea, but my guess is that the people in the area know what they look like when they're very small. And I'm guessing that you, as soon as you saw a tiny little tree, you would pull oh, it out, pull it, yeah. dig it up and dispose it. So that's crazy stuff. Yeah. It is. Holy cow. So yeah, so that's my, uh, when plants go bad. So I'm disappointed though. None of them ate a person. I did not find any plants that eat people. I, I think that's only in uh, movies and uh, musicals. I'm really sad to hear that. I have a few people that I wouldn't mind feeding to a plant. <laughs> but here's the, the, the other thing. You could, mm. instead of feeding them to a plant, you could feed a plant to them. No, that's much tra- more traceable. Mm, not that one that I said from India that they only, if they suspect poisoning from that we'll find that top i think i'm just gonna have to keep my dream of someday feeding someone to a plant all right i'll keep looking for a plant for you we find new things all the time i'm I'm gonna put it on my bucket list feed a person to a plant maybe you could grow one yourself i'm thinking start with a venus flytrap and one of these kind of plants maybe the manchineal plant or something and you combine them maybe cross hybrid all right. Yeah, or we'll the bunya tree from Australia because it's so big. So if you cross a Venus flytrap in a bunya tree, then you'd get a ginormous Venus flytrap. And then we could mutate some of the uh, some of that tree, the sap tree sap, into the uh, Venus flytrap, and yeah, and it mm-hmm. could, yeah, yeah. See, we got this. <clears throat> now all we need is like a really great biology botany degree, so we can figure right. this out. I think she quit our day job. In, in between the the dog show, she'll get a bot stuff because she's our gardener. So yeah, would you go get a botany degree? Please? I'm all over that. Okay, we need to learn some grafting. Okay. Okay. I have a grafting story. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right, Mary. Grafting story. We want to hear this. All right. <clears throat> From Australia. Is this a long story? No. Oh, okay. An Australia gardener earned a Guinness World Record when he successfully grafted five different types of fruit onto a single tree. Oh, I did read about this. This is very cool. Sam Saraf, 
said he actually grafted 10 different fruits onto the tree in his backyard, but the Guinness World Records told him not all of them counted as different types. So he had uh, white and yellow nectarines, he had white and yellow peaches, he had blood and yellow plums, he had peach cots, apricots, almonds, and cherries. But because some of them belonged to the same families, they didn't count. So Saraf said that his application was rejected because they needed five different species, not varieties. So Guinness initially told him that he had tied the record of five fruits, which was set by a dude in Chile. Um, but after further review, they found that the, the guy in Chile, two of his fruits, which were pet peaches and nectarines, belonged <laughs> to the same species. So he only got four. So Saraf got the new record at five. Saraf told the Guinness World Record people that his tree is meant to symbolize peaceful coexistence. And it serves as an example of how to live together with respect and acceptance in a diverse society. That's very cool. I thought so. It was like, yeah, I got a grafting story. I wasn't going to tell awesome. it today, but hey, we'll tell a grafting story. Well, that's very cool. Awesome. Oh, yeah. No, he is probably our go-to guy. I think we all should right. just, although after what he said, I don't think that he'd be into creating a killer. Well, peaceful coexistence? No, I don't think he's going to create a man-eating plant for But Hana. the world might be more peaceful if peaceful. I fed some of these yeah. people to yeah. the plant. Or maybe the guy who got knocked down to four, because he might be angry about that. Yeah, he Ooh. might. He there might. We go. Maybe the guy in Chile. All right. All right. Mary, get on that, would you? I, yep, it's, yep, it's on my calendar. Okay, good, good deal. All right, ladies. <laughs> Well, thank you to everyone who stopped by and lent us their ear. We hope you have enjoyed our stories today. And we hope we have not scared you off of French fries. Or potato chips. <clears throat> you can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or at TMSIDNTK at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. If you have suggestions, ideas, or comments, feel free to send them our way. If you have enjoyed your short stop with us, please feel free to follow the podcast Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That is honestly the easiest, fastest way that you can help us. It costs you absolutely nothing. Tells us how we're doing. And it also helps other people find us. You can find us everywhere. Pretty much everywhere. If you're aware of a streaming platform we're not on, let us know. We'll get work to get ourselves on yeah. there. So this podcast is co-hosted by Mary Swartz, Lynn Samuels, and myself, Hannah Green. And somebody does the editing. Occasionally they do. <laughs> that would be Mary. Mary does the editing. <laughs> Occasionally I do. Oh, all right, ladies. Do we have a final thought? Wow. Don't mess with the plants. Don't mess with the plants. Stop and smell the roses. Stop. Make sure it's not trumpeter's angel, though. No freaking doubt. All right. Stay mischievous, everyone. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Birds flying high You know how I feel Sun in the sky You know how I feel Breeze drifting on by You know how I feel It's a new dawn it's a new day, it's a new life 
for me And I'm feeling good I'm feeling good Fish in the sea You know how I feel River running free You know how I feel Blossom on a tree You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life For me And I'm feeling good Dragonfly out in the sun You know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun You know what I mean Sleep in peace when day is done That's what I mean And this old world is a new world And a bold world for me of the pine You know how I feel Oh, freedom is mine And I know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life It's a new dawn It's a new 